I yeah, I love I Spy. When I was young, I Spy was in these huge books with like um, really fanciful covers. And I remember, I think in my second grade class, like I have a very blurry memory of me in the second grade, like doing a particular I Spy page that I think was like kind of Halloween-esque or like haunted. There's definitely a haunted book. And I liked that a lot. Now they're smaller and that was just fine. But I liked how like the scale of them was huge and you actually like would have a hard time finding them. And I feel like I learned a lot of words from my spy because like they'll be like, find the, I don't know, like thimble. And I was like, what's a thimble? I'm going to find it. Listening, which you don't have to be. Um, I'm doing, ran I'm randomly reading poems. So enjoy. <laughs> Um, this is practice for your birthday. Okay. Woe is me. All these eyeballs aimed at this quick round heart. All these gowns I was not given and never enough counter space to cook. Copper pots all over the place. And you so cool bragging about how easy it is to make money. Explaining why you had to quit drinking coffee. Never mind, I'm broke and never buy espresso unless I think I might be on the verge of knocking out. And yes, there were some years I took to cigarette smoke, but never enough for me to think I should stop. Not everything is a habit, for better or worse. Some of us have a strong hold on our personalities, and that's the difference between what you think and what I think. We don't need to be any more than we already are. All those days we lost bickering back and forth within ourselves, moody in the kitchen, scrutinizing what I might have meant when I refused the cake. In reality, it's not such a complicated thing. Sometimes I'm simply not that hungry, and we had been driving for hours across highways, listening to songs only you knew. And at the time, I was curious about it, cautiously tapping my fingers on the shell of your back trying to decipher how I crawled out from under my girlhood to here, passenger seated in the parking lot of a biscuit diner, watching you self-project onto some hillbilly in a yellow pickup truck, when I could have just went home like my gut said, as we came rolling down the hill and only I marveled at the big black tree engulfing the street lamp. Okay. Oh yeah, my name is Gabrielle Rucker. <laughs> Rucker, yeah. Yeah, just like Darius Rucker. I tell people that all the time. So, I mean, language in my mind is a means to an end. Sorry, my phone's going off. I should turn it off. Language is like a means to an end. So I think about it as like, um, more so than like, you know, I'm not an English teacher and not everything is school. And so I think because we learn to read a lot of the time under an academic setting, or even if you learned at home, you then go to school probably. And you like, you know, are, your reading is refined through an academic setting, which is all about um, context. You know, you always hear about context clues. You always hear about reading comprehension, which is a great skill to exercise. I don't think that that's bad. Um, but a lot of people, whether they're young or adult or in between, have, you know, a lot of 
I guess just different ways of reading and writing and some might struggle with reading and writing in different ways. You know, like some people could be dyslexic. Some people really um, respond well to image with text because that's gonna help them better understand. So I think when I'm talking about meaning in reading and writing, it, I'm, I'm kind of like, you get to make your own meaning, you get to divine your own meaning and you get to read in a way that makes sense to you. You don't only have to read in the ways that like you're taught because I think, you know, like some people have attention, like they struggle with attention. Reading a book is not like very helpful. And if you're just being trained to read the book and get through it rather than like read the book in a way that feels interesting or um, I guess works on your timetable because reading is like you're using your time. You know, like a lot of people feel pressured to read in a certain way. And so I guess, you know, kind of trying to dismantle that. And that's what like the ACMIC workshop was this weekend, which is like, that's all about illegibility. That's mostly about writing and reading, I guess, but it's about illegibility. And so it's like, what type of writing can you do if you didn't have to be conveying meaning? What if you were just conveying emotion or just conveying like non-thought? You know, like what if you're just not thinking in your writing? Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people call that doodling, which is like fine, but doodle has like this, doodle feels more like oh you're not doing anything like you're not exercising your your writing or reading muscles where i think that that's not necessarily true you know like i know a lot of people including myself that like i need to be like doing something like writing something while i'm listening so that i understand because then i'm kind of processing so there's just all these it's like a puzzle everyone's different it's like how everyone has a different like fingerprint everyone has different genres of music they like everyone has like different strengths and weaknesses everyone has a different like combination of how they read and write. There's no correct way. I've written some text that's called acemic writing. Has anyone heard of acemic writing? Raise your hand. Okay, great. No one knows. So acemic writing is technically a non-semantic form of writing. It means there's no meaning. It does not have to be in English. It does not have to be in any language that you speak. Um, you really are intuiting what the meaning is. And the reason why I wrote this in the front of the book is so you have some examples. Writing is an extremely visual process to me, which is why I think it's visual art. Um, aside from just seeing words that look good together, it's also like, you know, I think we think about like visual artists and musicians and stuff doing like they do, you know, um, they have a process. And like there's this idea that the process for like writers is really internal, which I guess it is. But it's also extremely external because like, you know, that whole looking at all those rocks with you all, like with both of you picking up those rocks and being in that place, like that is very much writing for me. Like that's very because then I have scenery that I'm thinking of. I have these different textures that I'm touching. It's like, how do I, you know, how would I write a poem about every rock that I had? If I'm going to do that, if that were like a thing that I was gonna like exercise and practice doing for myself, I would have to remember all of that stuff. I'd have to remember the drive up. I'd have to remember the grates. I'd remember the cows. I'd have to remember like the bunks, the marigold. Like I'd, I literally am kind of archiving everything. Everything's Every, kind of my memory is heavy. Um, kids who also don't write, this is great for. If you've ever seen your child Googling, you're like, what are they trying to say? This is a great opportunity to try to get on their level and figure out what they are trying to say. 
So mainly, I'm going to keep it really short, really brief. The intention of this workshop is to kind of retrain yourself about what reading and writing is. I mean, how should I get into it? Should I just be like, Sparkle Nation is? Well, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, what did you um, Di okay, Diamond and I met in Chicago years ago because I worked at American Apparel. <laughs> and then I, Diamond also worked at American Apparel, but at a different store. And then one day they were like, hey, can you go to like this store? They're like short staffed. And I was like, yeah, I'll go. And so I went in Diamond, we were back stock um, because American Apparel was racist. And so they would put boys and black girls in back stock a lot of the time. Um, so Diamond and I both work back stock and we were just in a room folding clothes, like talking. We were like, oh, that's cool. And then like years later, I ran to Diamond New York. I think I moved to New York first. And we would run into each other like a few times on the street, like, oh, hey, like, I see you. And then eventually like we just started hanging out. And like, I think Diamond invited me to do a reading with her. Um, it's a place called Sunview, I don't remember. Um, but I think that was like when we were like, oh wow, like now we're hanging out. We're like doing this thing. Like we're, we're friends, friends, not just kind of like in passing. And I met Precious through Diamond because Diamond and Precious knew each other before I knew Precious. And then the way that Sparkle Nation came to be, at least in my memory, Diamond um, had made like, I think I posted like an Instagram story, like I want to start a book club. Or maybe like said it to me, I don't know, like maybe did both, said it to me in person and also like put it online. And I was like, we should do it. Like, let's just do it. And so then we just kind of started Sparkle Nation, which started off as like a in-person book club, but like book club with an asterisk because we weren't reading whole books. Because that feels like, that, you know, that's such a commitment. Like people have jobs. At the time I worked a full-time job, like, I don't have time to be reading like a book in a month to just sit down and talk about it. Like some people do, and that's great. I personally didn't, and a lot of people I knew didn't. Um, so we would read excerpts of books. We would read like short essays and kind of like, maybe like a chapter out of something. Like we read a chapter at one of the meetings and I don't think it was our first meeting. I think it was our second. We read two chapters out of Fred Moten's The Undercommons. And that was a really nice meeting because Fred Moten's really difficult to read. You know, that's not something that you can just like, I mean, some people can, but I personally couldn't just walk into that. And so being within a group of people that had all read these two chapters, you know, it felt manageable. And you had people that might've already had read the book previously. You had people that were maybe in the midst of reading the book. You had people that have never encountered Fred Moten. You had people that were maybe familiar with other books of his. So it kind of felt like this, um, and I think this is what we were hoping, it was like this kind of like DIY informal like study session. You do not have to make sense when you read. You do not have to make sense when you write. I know that we're taught that in school. This is not school, okay? We're at an art museum, we're having fun. So when I wrote these, basically I was kind of listening to the music, I was thinking about how I felt, just kind of free writing. You can do this with drawing, you can do this with shapes and symbols, um, you can go into the garden, even though it's raining, sadly. Um, and you don't have to do this here, you can go home and do it, but I would encourage you just to take a notebook, look in the beginning of it, come talk to me if you're confused, I can doodle some things to maybe illustrate it better. Um, but yeah, it's kind of do whatever you will, do what you want. In the, the first few meetings, 
Precious uh, also was really generous and would make whole meals for the meeting. So you would go, you know, because we were all in agreement that like, hey, you know, like if you're coming here and you put in time to read, like you're probably coming after work, you know, because I would have to schedule them for when I was off of work. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're coming after work. You maybe didn't have enough time to eat, you know, like we wanted people to feel, um, you know, just safe like maybe you wouldn't have eaten if you didn't come you know like that's happened to me times where i'm like oh i might want to go to this thing but also i have like five dollars like that's a really that that's real life and so i think we were accounting for that and as things got kind of like um bigger we would have the meetings in different first we were doing it different people's apartments then we did some at this gallery in the lower east side called larry um And then after that, we got asked to do a radio show with Montez Press Radio, which was great because I love the radio. I love doing weird audio stuff. And then um, it also made it so that you didn't just have to be in New York to participate. How did the group or how did the content evolve and change? How did it become something sort of different from what it started as? I think like naturally, You know, I don't think that, um, I don't think we ever had a conversation about it. I think that um, kind of interests just changed or it'd be like, hey, you know, sometimes we'll reach out and be like, hey, I have an idea for a show. And it's like, okay, cool, let's do that. Or it'll be like equal parts, um, you know, like, hey, send in some poems that you like, send like if you have a YouTube clip that you found someone reading, we'll do that. Like we did a show where me, Precious and Diamond each picked a um, like a poet who we really liked and then just sent it to me. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to organize now the different like videos we sent and find more videos that maybe you didn't send of the same author reading this thing. Um, so I th- it's really like malleable. We don't have like, and I sent this out in an email to like the reading list because um, there is a reading list which you can join, which is you just email us at sparklenationbookclub at gmail.com and say, I want to join. And then we add you into the contact list. That's really it. Um, but I sent a email out to people like at one point, I think it was when I moved because I left New York. I was like, well, we're not doing in-person really ever, it, for the foreseeable future. Um, I was like, and also this is a DIY thing. Like we're literally doing this when we have the time to do it. And we all are people that have lived lives. Like we're going to approach this like we have a life to live and not like it's our obligation to be like producing content every like month or so. What is that? Okay, okay. I'll read this one. If you're listening, (laughs) this was on uh, poets.org, which I used to read when I was a middle schooler. So it was really cool to post a poem there. Um, This is, I don't say goodbye, I only say ciao. What bloody lens holds firm between this mystery and us? Two shiny crows tapping intelligently on the glass of a dream. Please do not make me do the human things. I must tend to my many plankton realities, must be off with my better self. One million faces lined along a mere mere tunnel, 
And in each, that same tricky knot begging. You couldn't know how long I suffered over it. My long waiting at the end of the maze. I can only guess what you think I'm after. Stretching in the mirror while you rattle on about sabotage. An old tension springing in the body. is friendship. Um, it's kind of like how I mentioned earlier, I can be a bit of a perfectionist. Um, Diamond and Precious have both really taught me how to not let that perfectionism eat away at me. I don't have to, you know, rely on just myself and I don't have to rely on just myself to make a show. I don't have to rely on just myself to like, you know, everyone has, I only have the ideas that I have. So many people have better ideas than me and like more interesting ideas or like softer ideas. Yeah. It's nice to be able to get all these books and display them for people and hopefully have people read them. And even if they, I mean, you know, you can't finish a book in a visit to a museum most of the time, but maybe you start the book and then you're like, I actually really liked that. I want to buy it. You know, I think like that's really important for writers okay this is the last one this is called i wrote this like a week ago there's like no more kids up here right okay cool <laughs> it's called long dead the new year i don't think there's anything bad in it um lights up reveal the floor for what it truly is a mud slip of rainwater, lime and gin sea moss mucus a shiny film dripped out of crotchless panties Outside smoking, the drugs caress, smearing purple eyeshadow askew. I confused a siren for an airplane, a walnut tree for a traffic stop, the moon never once moving from out behind my hand. It was hubris to believe everything touched by my blood would talk back. And it was hubris to hold me captive at the gate beside the magnolia and take my picture to stitch me on a stocking wearing my Christmas vest and fix me here. On the bedside, an orange birthday candle burns slowly, held down by wax melted to the back of a Kroger Savings Plus card. I don't remember what I prayed for, high as I was on gummy bears roaming the cul-de-sac, or passing through security, my nipple ring nearly ending my life. Now I can laugh about it, as I do most other cautionary tales, the elder foothills and their tragedies, the blue lizard frosted over, snapped under my boots, the new year long dead, a tower. Mm -hmm.